Good morning, church. Good morning, everyone in the CLC. Uh, my name is Jesse Brinkley. Um, I'm the son of John and Lori Brinkley right here in the front row. Um, I was born and raised here in Roanoke. Um, growing up, my family went to a church over in Hollands Road, Church of the Brethren, and also attended Sunday school there. My younger brother and I also attended many vacation Bible schools as children. One summer, we went to Colonial Baptist Church where I gave my life to the Lord as a young child. As a young child at Hollands Road Church of the Brethren, it was great because we got to learn all the Sunday school, and Sunday school, we got to learn all the Bible stories. Looking back, I am so grateful for the simple ways those people poured themselves into me. They weren't doing anything spectacular by the world's terms, but by, by being willing to teach the stories of the Bible and by modeling Christian love, they were able to help lay the foundation for my spiritual life. You never know how the simple things you can do impact someone's eternity. As I grew older, my family was confronted by the fact that the smaller church we were attending did not have much for teenagers. We loved the people there, but my parents felt prompted to bring us here at Bonsack Baptist Church, where we were quickly welcomed. Bon um, I was baptized shortly after we joined the church, and soon the people of this church began building on the foundation that had already been laid. While I was a youth at Bonsack, I participated in many mission trips, service projects, and I also joined the youth choir. All of which helped, me, helped shape me spiritually. After high school, I went on a few more mission trips before I headed off to Marine Corps boot camp at Paris Island, South Carolina. One of these uh, mission trips uh, was called Some Power, which is where the juniors and seniors go and record the CD and learn all the music for the following year's choir mission tour. During one of the sessions we were worshiping, we sang the song In Christ Alone, and something inside me happened, making my, re my faith realer than ever. Everything in my life had been building to that moment. Once I had went to boot camp and left the Bonsack bubble, the Bonsack bubble meaning a place full of believers and just a Christ-positive environment, which you may not be surprised to hear this, but the Marine Corps is not quite the same way. <laughs> Everyone hears stories about the Marine Corps boot camp, about how rough and tough it is, and me going as a new believer into the not the most Christian organization out there had me a little worried. Just a few moments, just a few months before that, at some power, is when I really decided to live my faith out. There was a ton of stuff I had never been exposed to before in my life, and in just a matter of seconds, my life was flipped upside down. This was when I realized how important it was to stay connected to my faith. Luckily, every evening before we went to sleep at boot camp, uh, we had a designated, a designated time to have a group prayer. We'd circle up for about five minutes, and everyone would see how we each, each other were doing and if anyone had a special prayer request. And then we'd say a quick prayer. We also had the opportunity to go to church on Sundays, and it was led by a Navy chaplain, and it was much like our services here with uh, music and a sermon. Even though I had been taken out of my familiar environment, God was still providing a way for me to stay connected to his people. It was amazing to think that before I ever showed up at Paris Island, God was already there. Not even boot camp can keep God away. After boot camp, I then went to combat training at Camp Geiger, North Carolina. 
At combat training, there wasn't any prayer time designated. Instead, we were given the opportunity to go to church on Sundays if we wanted to. This service was led also by a chaplain. Being part of worship was very important because this season of my life, this was the only way to find other believers to connect to. <clears throat> At combat training, we were on a tight schedule just like boot camp, and we only had a small block of time designated each Sunday to letting us attend church. If I had ne neglected this opportunity, I would have lost my only connection with God's people. Next was my MOS school, which is your job training, which is military occupational specialty, and it was out in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. I was to become a motor transportation operator, or as we called it, Motor T, and this is where we drove, learned how to drive all the big trucks. The training schedule here was a lot more relaxed than boot camp and combat training, and we actually ended up getting the weekends off, which is really nice. Boot camp and combat training were more or less just 24-7 around the clock training other than when we were, got to sleep. And now instead of our instructors asking who wanted to go to church on Sundays, we had to get up and go on our own. At this point in my training, I once again knew nobody. Luckily, after a couple of weeks, I ended up connecting with a couple of fellow believers in my new platoon, and we began hanging out and attending church together for the few months I was in Missouri. The day came, we graduated from our job schooling, and we were going to find out where and to what unit we were going to be put into. A couple of guys and myself received orders to Marine Corps Air Station, Cherry Point, North Carolina. One of the guys was one I had connected with as a fellow believer, and this made it easy to instantly have an accountability partner for the next few years. It wasn't like we could just leave each other or go anywhere. Me and him were both roommates until he was married, and something else that was really cool was that one of the base's churches was right across the street from my barracks. Once I started going there, I ran to a friend I had made at boot camp, and we instantly hit it off again and made sure we were both staying true and strong to our faith. Once again, God provided a way for me to stay connected to other believers as I was learning that no matter where I went, God was already there ahead of me. While with my unit, we trained for deployments out in the deserts of Arizona and California several times. While we were out doing the training, we really didn't have access to church. The chaplains had a tent set up as a church, but it was many miles away from our, but we were many miles away from our training camp, the main camp, so the chaplains would have to make their rounds to ensure we were doing okay. They would offer us a, a devotional slash mini sermon and would just be there if we needed to talk. For this brief season, these chaplains were my main connection to the church. I did get deployed once on a special purpose, Marine Air Ground Task Force to Spain. Our purpose was to be anywhere in Africa in under 24 hours, more as a peace and protection force, but fully, com fully capable of competitive campaign. There, I really didn't get much church in at all due to my work schedule, but I had a couple of fellow believers to help hold me right, as well as people here back home that I could talk to every once in a while. Instead of re-enlisting, I decided to leave the military, and I was unemployed for roughly six months, but I ended up getting a job with Norfolk Southern in track maintenance. I'm so, I, <clears throat> I was so glad to be home and once again be here at Bonsac. I, I knew I wanted to get more connected and involved now, and I got asked to be a greeter, and I said, of course. I really couldn't think of anything else I'd be able to do because of my job. 
My job that year had required me to travel all the way from southern uh, Georgia, all the way out to Kentucky, and up through northern Virginia. I leave directly from church to go to work. We, we'd work Sunday through uh, Monday through Thursday, but I had to drive down Sunday e- evening. Um, once I was able to get a local position in Alta Vista, I knew there was more I could be doing, and I talked to Grant about joining the adult choir. As a greeter, I can help people get connected to where they need to go, new and existing members, because of all the information we have at our disposal. Staying connected to the church definitely has been easy in my life's experiences, but having a small group I could talk to or just go and even participate with has helped me through the daily struggles of my life. There are members here that taught me while I was in the youth group, and I see all the time here, and we might just say, hey, but I've made many personal connections with them, and I know there is always someone I can talk to or direct someone to in a time of need. Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. Looking back, I can see how this has been true in my life. At every step, God has provided a way for me to connect to believers and grow my faith. Had I tried to manage my spiritual life on my own, the experience at SunPower would have eventually meant little or faded away altogether. But God God has been at work drawing me to him through other believers, whether it was through the Sunday school teachers who loved me as a child, or the youth leaders who shaped me in my formative years, or even those fellow believers in the Marine Corps who took the time to pray with me and challenge me, God was always there. The key is that I had to be intentional about making those connections. I had to make use of those resources by investing myself in God's people that he made available. The same is true for all of us. If we do not actively seek to make connections with other believers, our spiritual lives will wither and die. We should never take the fellowship of other believers for granted, but should invest ourselves in it. If you feel a need to grow in your own faith, I encourage you to consider where and how you were were plugged in to the fellowship of believers. Are you studying, worshiping, praying, serving with God's people in the church? If not, you are missing out on one of the primary ways God is calling you to him. I'm grateful for the for all of you who have made it possible for me, and I urge you to do the same. Thank you.
God, of all the blessings that you have given to us. The greatest is the fact that through Jesus Christ we can, in fact, call you friend. That in spite of our disobedience and our stubbornness, you have drawn us into friendship with you. Help us now, even in the giving of these tithes and offerings, to be true to that friendship that we might bring honor and glory to you. Accept these gifts and use them for your good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated.
Good morning. My Vietnamese name is Tung Xuân Ha. I have been asked to share a story about my life journey and how I came to know Jesus. I was born in 1974, the youngest of 10 children. Up until this point, my father had been an officer in the South Vietnamese military, and my family was fortunate enough to have plenty of rice and provisions. Now the war was ending, the economy was deteriorating, then collapsed, and then there was hardly any food to eat. Some Westerners assume people in Vietnam or are followers of Confucius or Buddha, when actually a lot, of, a lot of Vietnamese don't observe or practice any religion. No one ever told me about God. I was never nurtured in a Christian home and didn't belong to any religion. I only knew of a few Christians in Vietnam. They were very small, private, and well-behaved group, and no one I knew would want to preach about the Bible. It was seen as a privilege, and my family didn't have that at the time. Eventually, God got a hold of me, and I never imagined I would be standing in front of you today. My story is best broken into three segments, each beginning with the letter I. Incarceration, immigration, identification. I was one year old when, my, when the war officially ended and my father was arrested and incarcerated. All our possessions and wealth were confiscated when they took my father. We pawned or sold everything the government didn't take to have enough money to live on and to try and save face with the neighbors. Some days we would have some snack, some enough, some food, but not enough for all 11 of us. If we were lucky, we got one snack to sustain, sustain us the whole day. Most days, I could be found climbing trees to eat the fruit. Our neighbors had no idea that we were struggling to eat. I remember a neighbor once asked if I was okay because my skin looks yellow, which is common when someone is malnourished. The winters were cold and we had lots of rain. Sometimes the house flooded and we had no heat. We would build a fire inside the house just to keep warm. Because of my father's incarceration, I had no father figure in my life during my childhood. My older siblings fill in that role in some ways, but they were still siblings. The first time I remember seeing my father was when I was about 10, when my mom had saved enough money for us to go visit him. Before that time, I had no idea what he looks like because 
the government forbade any photos to be shown or displayed. He was kept way out in the mountains, and it took us a long time to travel there. I remember, I remember before we went in, I desperately bleated, God, if you're real, please bring my dad home. It was the first time I remember praying or turning to God. My dad came home shortly after that. I was 11, and my first prayer was answered. The next five years were extremely difficult, even hellish. The government made it difficult to live in Vietnam. It was difficult for my dad to begin a new career. The par my parents had to work hard to earn enough money to provide for our family. The government watched our every move. In, in school, my siblings and I were discriminated against we were seen as traitors, and we weren't allowed to participate in some of the activities. Bribery and corruption were common in all areas of life, and teachers were no exception. We finally received asylum from the US. It took several years to go through the process of completing paperwork and being granted asylum. This required multiple interviews with the Vietnamese government and the U.S. Embassy. The U.S. government eventually moved my family in 1991 when I was 16. If it's been up to me, I don't know that I would have left Vietnam. If I had had it my own way, I would never have become someone other than a person who settled for what came easy for me. We left Vietnam, our motherland, which had nearly destroyed my life. Coming to America, I had a lot of expectations of a good life awaiting me and my family. As faith and providence would have it, we ended up in Roanoke. We weren't sure how to pronounce it, but I knew, but I knew that the letters okay were good in English. <laughs> so I hope we would be fine. I had just finished 10th grade in Vietnam, but because of my limited English, the school counselor recommended that I start at Patrick Henry High School in the ninth grade. The coursework, especially math, came easy to me. The only thing that was tough was to go into the ESL classes, or English as a second language classes. I felt ashamed I should be at the same level or higher than my peers. I was a good student and leader in Vietnam. I lost confidence in myself. My difficulty with the language limited my ability to do the coursework. I was asked to help tutor math students, and I learned conversational English as a trade, which I thought was a fair deal. Overall, my high school years were absolutely miserable, 
especially the first year in Vietnam, I was an outgoing person and likable. I never had any trouble making friends and could relate to people easily. I was athletic, playing soccer and tennis. Coming here was dramatic. Maybe I didn't wear the right clothes or didn't have the right haircut. Maybe, be, maybe because I didn't speak the language well. I felt alienated and rejected. I wasn't part of the cool crowd. I was part of the loser crowd, or that was my impression. I hardly ever sat with anyone to eat lunch in the cafeteria. Throughout high school and college, I got good grades, but never felt like part of the culture. I was very lonely, and I thought I have every reason to give in and quit. Many times I told myself I didn't want to finish high school, didn't want to keep working so hard. My, bio my, bio my biological parents don't know much English and never really assimilated to the culture, so they didn't give me a lot of guidance on how I should proceed how to become the man I envision or that they envision. If it wasn't for my ESL teacher encouragement, inclusion, and attempts to make me feel special, I wouldn't have continued. She always told me I was the smartest kid she knew. She saw something in me that others didn't. She was even the matchmaker for my wife, Ian, and I. <laughs> my ESL teacher was Bonnie Crockett. Everyone at home was busy with their work life and trying to support the family. So I thrive on the encouragement I received from Bonnie and other teachers. I decided the best thing I could do for my family was to get good grades and stay out of trouble. The determination in me, inside me, pulled me through. I was focused on the pursuit of good life and dream of becoming better. Bonnie and Ed had always allowed me to openly ask questions of them the way they lived their lives made me feel special. Even after high school, I continued to spend time with them. In my junior year of college, a group known as the Campus Crusaders and the Gideons spoke to me often on Roanoke campuses, Roanoke College campus. I read the New Testament provided by the Gideon front to back many times, I began seeking some understanding of the gospel. I came to, realize, to, to the realization that all my life, I kept trying to achieve certain goals, reach the next milestone. My life was so rough that I had to do a lot of things right to turn it around. I had to dig myself out of the hole 
I kept telling myself, the end would be better than where you are today. It gave me a glimmer of hope, but I came to the understanding that God was really saying, you belong to me. I've got you. You don't have to try so hard anymore. There's a sense of joy and security when you have that understanding. During my senior years of college, I started attending church with Bonnie and Ed. Ian also attended with them. For me, going to church initially gave me an excuse to see Ian more often. <laughs> we got to dress up, put on our best clothes, and go enjoy a great lunch together after church. This was my best day of the week. It was during this year that I made my profession as we sat in church listening to a sermon on Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. And there was the beautiful hymn lyrics, all to Jesus I surrender. Even though I had never become emotional in church before, I remember weeping in the pew. I cry uncontrollably. I was surprised at myself. Growing up, my dad taught me that real men don't cry. Also, yes, sir, I will not cry. That was the first time I cried in public and couldn't control it. That was my moment of conversion. God got a hold of me and he said, stop running. Stop jumping through hoops. I've got you. You belong to me. That day, I walked out of the aisle and gave my life to God. After that, I decided that I give myself a Christian name. I like the name Timothy in the Bible, so I settled on Tim. My identity had changed quite a bit over the years, both how I view myself and how others view me. From my early years in post-war Vietnam to becoming an immigrant to the US, I grew from a child to an adult and graduated from college and started a career path. Later, I became a husband when Ian agreed to marry me. Then I became a father. The day that Catherine was born, that was a miracle in itself. Ian had a rather difficult pregnancy and a complicated delivery. I will never forget the day that Catherine was born and I'm so proud to be her dad. God is the one weaving all this together. No one, no one is able to envision how their life would turn out with complete accuracy. Remember, if I had had it my own way, I wouldn't have left Vietnam. I wouldn't have come to be the husband, 
Father, or a child of God, I am today. Growing up, there was so much pressure to have a good life. I wanted to, I wanted to exceed my parents' expectations and be touted for something, something bigger than myself. For Christians, I think that pressure is even greater. You feel like you are serving this almighty God and you want to make a difference in his kingdom. As Christian, I began to realize it's not all up to you or me. Our God had it covered regardless of the privilege to be part of God's kingdom. Regardless of the sport, when you are asked to play on a team, it's exciting. The way I see my identity now is that God is the best coach ever of whatever sport it is that you like. God called me and said, Tim, would you play for my team? Being discovered by God, I realize I don't have to jump through hoops to be more acceptable or to be more righteous. I have tried and done many things in my life. Because of my own arrogance, I thought I could do things on my own. But none of those things mean anything. In the end, God is much greater and deeper than that. And yet, he called me and said, you belong to me. That is the true joy that can only come from knowing Jesus. That can only come from this God of love, truth, and mercy. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. You've heard two stories today that in some ways are quite different from each other. One's the story of a regular young man who grew up in church and had all the normal church experiences that so many of us have and take for granted. The other is the story of a young man who grew up far away from church and knew nothing of the things that we take for granted. And yet there's one, at least one common theme in both of those stories. And that common theme is you, the church. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, that we are the body of Christ. We are the continuation of Jesus' incarnation in the world. And it is through us, ordinary, broken, incomplete people like us, that God is at work drawing people to himself. Whether it was a Sunday school teacher teaching Jesse the Bible stories when he was a young man, or an ESL teacher who's willing to work with an immigrant from another country to offer encouragement and support, God worked through his church to draw people to him. And I don't know about you, but I find that remarkable. To look in the mirror every day and think that God w works through what I'm seeing there reflected back to me. 
and all of its incompletion and imperfection. And so I hope that in listening to these two men share their stories today, you've been encouraged in a couple of ways. One, as I said at the beginning of the service, that you be intentional about reflecting on where and how has God revealed himself to you. Oftentimes we don't see it in the moment. It's only with the advantage of hindsight as we look back and see the way God has unfolded circumstances in unexpected ways. So where and how has God been at work through you? But then secondly, and just as importantly, where and how has God at work through you right now to do that for somebody else? What conversation are you having with somebody? What relationship are you building? What act of service are you offering that in ways you can't even begin to imagine may change that person's life for eternity? Because we are the body of Christ. And I don't know about you, but I find that remarkable and wonderful. Join me once again in thanking this gentleman for sharing their stories with us today. And at the close of the service, they'll be joining me at the rear here. I hope you'll take a moment to just speak to them and offer your own personal gratitude. But we close the service the way we always do, with an opportunity to respond. You have heard the gospel proclaimed today. The gospel of a God who through Jesus Christ is pursuing us and drawing us into relationship with him. And the gospel always calls for a response. So what is ours? If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and something you've heard in the testimonies of these two men has piqued something in you, stirred something in you, and you sense God calling you to him, then as we stand and sing here in just a moment, I want to invite you to come forward and we'll, we'll share together as you begin uh, that journey of faith. Maybe you're looking to connect with other believers. The other consistent theme is that it took people around them to bring them to where they are. The same is true for us. If you don't have a church home, you've, you've, you've got a relationship with Jesus, but you've not plugged into the fellowship of believers, we want to offer that. We want to be that for you. And so here in these moments as we close, we would just invite you to come forward. If there's anything else you need to make public or just share with a brother in Christ, I will be here. But but even if it happens right there in your own seat, in the privacy of this moment between you and God, he's calling us to him. And I pray that we will be receptive to that. Let me invite you to stand as we sing this morning.